Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Um, I hope you're keeping safe and well. It, it certainly feels like a long time that we've been in lockdown now, but the podcast is still happening and we've still got great, great guests joining us. And uh, speaking of which, um, I'm really pleased to welcome Rich Tuckwell, Scarlet, joining us today. Thanks for joining us, Rich. Well, good morning, thank you. Uh, where are you joining us from today? Uh, I am joining you from West Palm Beach in Florida. Very nice. Got beautiful weather there? It is 92 degrees and sunny. I feel like I'm on a travel talk to you. It's 18 degrees. <laughs> and what's, uh, what, what, what's 92 degrees in real money? Oh, it's about, it's about 30, I think. 26, 30, I don't know. Is it okay. divine, free and ad something? I don't know. But, but so, hot. It, pleasant. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> it's sunny. I live on a lake, so it's it's pleasant. There's a breeze. It's nice. worse up for six weeks. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself then, Rich. What's What do you do now? What's your background? So I am Chief Operating Officer of uh, Platinum Group. Um, that is, uh, it's a large kind of group of companies uh, specialising in hospitality. Um, so we own and operate hotels. And we have predominantly um, Marriott, Hilton and IHG branded properties. Uh, right. We have a construction company where we build hotels. Uh, prefabrication, uh, pre-modular system that we use is fairly revolutionary. So, so we tend to deal with more cutting-edge designs. Um, we design hotels as well, uh, as well as renovate them. Um, and then we have a family office that does investments into technologies, and we own a technology arm. So I, I kind of oversee the group and each of the businesses, um, with my background obviously being hospitality and technology as my specialisms anyway. So, wow, kind of- interesting. So there's a lot going on there then. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's busy. That's <laughs> mm. Okay, and and tell us a bit more about you know what the CEO role is then across all those different businesses. Um, so I kind of I'm responsible for everything from our daily operating practices. Um, up until COVID, we had a very large team, so we were up at near 400 staff um, across multiple businesses plus contractors and and kind of GCs and things and work crews would probably take us well into the six, 700. Mm. Um, at any one time, we currently have seven hotel projects under build. So we have 12 of our own hotels plus seven under build at the moment that aren't finished. So my day can get, can be anything from looking at a project in Texas that is running over budget or is, or is delayed or is some issue, uh, but will eventually be a hotel that's opening all the way down to one of our technology businesses and dealing with somebody who wants to input the software or wants to move their hotel to us for management and looking at the overview of their product. I run all of the teams within each of the businesses. Um, so pretty much everybody in the business reports to me and I report into the, the family office board. Um, and I'm responsible for revenue. Obviously, our new revenue, our existing revenue, our operational structure. I'm also adhering to the oper- operational structures of things like Marriott and Hilton's working guidelines um, wow. because obviously we have a huge amount of operating processes and procedures that need to be adhered to within each of those brands, and all three brands are different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky. I have an amazing team um, who kind of help me keep the wheels on everything. It sounds like you need them. That's a lot of wheels. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, we, we purchased uh, or, or we took over um, Abbey America, which is obviously the company that I was president of. Um, we took rights for North America and actually all of the Americas um, earlier on this year when I moved over to Blackman. Um, so we now have a blossoming technology arm as well. And that in itself leads to kind of new 
new sort of challenges because we're setting up a tech, or we've now got a technology business that is something Platinum never had, but just a investment in Platinum in technologies. And now we are actually the technology business ourselves and we're a platform. And that with it brings a whole host of, of new challenges because you have hotels coming in looking for booking engine software and channel management and advice and digital marketing, website design. And they're so used to dealing with me on a one-to-one basis and being kind of the head of that business that now they come in and go, oh my God, I know you do all this other stuff. And it kind of kind of distilling the offering down to, to our multiple different markets is, is somewhat of a challenge sometimes. Absolutely, I can imagine. So um, let's, let's move on to OKRs then. When, when did you first come across OKRs, Rich? Um, so I, I had a quite a successful hospitality business in, when I was between 18 and 21. Um, and at 21, I sold the business out, went to work for a technology company um, and, a, and a telecoms company. And that was kind of my first real, um, my first real taste of OKRs. Um, right. Back then, I didn't call them OKRs because that was, they were called KPIs. Um, um, but they were fundamentally the precursors of what we, of what we would now look at as, as OKRs. Yeah. Um, and at the rule of 21, which, which basically said you had, you had 21 sales opportunities in your year. And if you sold X amount at X amount at X amount, there were all these KPIs, but actually they weren't KPIs because they were fundamentally set for the success metrics, not the target metrics. So that was my first kind of involvement with them. And I was super lucky in the fact I was very successful in that business. It's the business that actually ended up bringing me to the US when I was in my, in my early twenties. Um, and I just, I kind of, I, I got it, you know, I, I think I understood what the key metrics were mm. and why you set them that way and how that tracking that data through and looking at that as more of a science rather than an art form, which I think I've, I've said a couple of numerous times now. Um, and kind of meant that I was able to read how to what the recipe for kind of success was um, and duplicate that. So every company that I've, I've ever owned or gone into, I have put really quite strict OKRs and KPIs in place. Mm. And would, you know, that's never that's never done me wrong. No, so obviously it uh, goes to show that there's something in it, doesn't it? No, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you... Yeah. People are wonderful. Yeah, I, I love having a human team. Um, <laughs> they're, they're so much easier to manage. Than I feel like a butt is coming on. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> um, everybody needs metrics to work within. Yeah. You know, if, if you put a ship in the middle of the ocean and don't set a course, it will just drift aimlessly along. And if you're very lucky, at some point in time, it will get to the port that you wanted to get to. Mm. Very rarely does that happen. You, everything in life that we that we do that is successful or we get where we need to get, we set a list of directions or we set a list of instructions and we say, this is how you get there. And it isn't, you know, we, we don't set, when I get in my car, I don't set my sat-nav based on how Columbus found America. You know, I, I set it based on what Google now tells me is the algorithm that all of these key points is what will make my journey the quickest, yeah. the simplest, avoid the most roadworks and so I I don't understand why you wouldn't apply that to every business dealing you have 100% and so for me I kind of yeah I I never really get it when people say oh you know you're you're overdoing it and it's just like I'm not overdoing it I'm not not at all what I'm doing is I'm eliminating the risks 
of the unknown by putting in place the things I know I know, working out the things I know I don't know, and then assigning a list of metrics that means that I can police where I am along the way. Yes. Yeah, it's really interesting that you use that um, sat-nav analogy there because that's the most common analogy I use for OKRs as well. And, and, and the listeners of the podcast will have heard it a hundred times before, but the <laughs> OKRs really are, really are the sat nav for your for your organisation. Um, yeah. And it's we were chatting just before uh, just before I started recording, um, and you were saying that people quite often tell you that you're using metrics and micromanage people, right? And it's mm. quite the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. You need to empower people, absolutely. I mean, I, as I say, I'm super lucky. I have an amazing team of people that, that kind of keep the wheels on the ship. Mm. Wheels on the ship, but do, we, do ships have wheels? Wheels on the car. <laughs> um, that's why my ship is, is fundamentally stranded because it's on wheels. Um, and so they kind of... I, I, when you sit at the, at the top or even anywhere inside a business, but where you are the top of the team, it is your job to ensure that the, that the people you are working with have clear understanding of how to hit their goals. You cannot just ask a bunch of people, especially in a company of our size, to just randomly go around their day, hoping they all make the right decisions, hoping they all do the thing that you need them to do in order to get where you need them to get at the the simultaneous time that 45 other people will do it. It is just anarchy. And so when people say, oh, you use it to micromanage, I say, don't use it to micromanage, I use it to manage the goals. Yeah. The people don't need micromanaging. The goals need micromanaging. I need to know at all times, I mean, fundamentally, if I look at the fact that each one of our is technically a different entity. So at any one point, I'm running upwards of 25 independent companies yeah. that all have their own metrics, their own goals, their their own success metrics. And if I didn't have KPIs and OKRs in there saying, okay, so this is, this is the things I need you to do on a daily basis to ensure that these OKRs marry with these KPIs and we end up doing the revenue we need to do, getting the scores we need to get and getting the operational efficiencies we need to get, then we would not be where we are now. So it, it's kind of this thing where, and my team, I mean, when, when I kind of, I joined Platinum in January. And I don't think everybody would be perfectly happy with me saying it was somewhat of an operational free zone. Right. Um, there were no metrics, nothing. There were no KPIs. There were no um, OKRs. There were no. There was there was no data science involved in the business at all. Right. Um, everything was kind of just trucking along with and very successfully. You know, and, and this is the point: is is I think you can take a, a very successful business, you can put OKRs and KPIs in place and use a little bit of data analytics to, to kind of see where you're going. And overnight, you transform what was a, a successful business into an exceptionally successful business. Yes. If you have you know, a business that's struggling a little bit, just putting these things in place and understanding the data that you are trying to achieve, or, or and whatever that data is, whatever that result is, understanding the breakdown of that, um, creating metrics along the way and touch points that say, okay, so I know when we do that, I get this result. This result transpires to this much revenue, which means that everybody gets paid or I achieve a goal. Mm. Okay, so, so that's the first thing. That, that's the keeping the lights on metric. Now, what does that look like? Right. 
So I, 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 that kind of leads me on to what I was going to ask Nat next, which is how do you decide which metrics are the ones that are really worth tracking? Because in any business of any size in any industry, there's a million different things that you can track and you could end up spending more time tracking than actually sort of oh, making wow. relevance of them. So is it trial and error? Is it gut instinct? You know, how do you decide? No, I, I have always gone for, for GOP. So, so I, I need to know my GOP. I need to know the revenue that's coming in that my GOP. I need to know if I'm dealing with a hotel business, I need to know where my occupancy is. Um, yeah. And I need to know how we're getting to the occupancies we need to get to. And a lot of that is based on sales. Mm. Um, and then my expenditure. They're the only things I track. Right. Um, everything else, so long as I am tracking and I have the metrics in place to monitor and lease that, everything else will fit around it. And, and that is very specific to my industry. And I get that, that other people have completely different metrics. Mm. Um, and actually, one of the other metrics I, I now track as being on the, on the hotel operation side is obviously our report, our, our sort of uh, our customer satisfaction. Because again, now it's not just good enough to be operationally efficient, revenue efficient, and profit efficient. Now I have to make sure my guests are happy in there yeah. as well. And that is a fine mix because actually you can go overboard on the operational efficiencies and end up pairing the staff back or pairing pairing yes. the service so much that guests are unhappy then the scores fall through the floor and mm-hmm. then that's not either because then you have Marriott on the phone screaming at you for the fact that you're you're getting a 78% satisfaction rate and that is yeah. okay and ultimately that's going to lead to your occupancy dropping from repeat business and your revenue yeah. dropping right so um, if you if you track that through because obviously we own and operate these assets if your if your reports drop or, or if you're if you're kind of satisfaction report drops, your occupancy drops, that then affects your profit margin, that then affects your revenue value, that in turn affects your asset value. And so if I look at a badly run hotel, um, turning that badly run hotel into a well-run hotel can add four or five million dollars to the asset value. Yeah. And that's the revenue value, that's the physical asset. So, so if I want to sell that hotel now and I'm operating uh, uh, you know, a 68% GOP, and my scores are great. I'm probably getting, and it's a 120 room hotel. I'm probably getting 23 to 25 million dollars for that property. Mm. The very same property operating at half the revenue is probably worth eight million dollars. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, so these five sort of main metrics that you're tracking, then, do your OKRs? Do you define those to to align into pushing those those needles up? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So. so um, one of the things that I kind of, I always plan all of my metrics for my absolute best. And so I will track free. So I will have my absolute best case. That's what my OKRs and my KPIs are set on. Right. I then my, this is what is acceptable level. And then I have my, this is unacceptable performance level. Right. And so I'm always aiming and I want my team to aim for absolute, you know, this is our number one choice of how we wear it, whatever needs to be done. So long as we fall in that top sort of like section, then it's great. As soon as we drop under that acceptable level, that's when the KPIs have to kick in. So the OKRs police me to keep me in the top. And then when, when we're not doing that, that's when the KPIs come in and say, well, you're doing something wrong. Because actually, it's easy to stay in that top bit if all of these other metrics are met. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of those metrics can be out of people's control. If we look at COVID, there is yeah. no way I can say to a sales team now, go and sell me 
a thousand corporate rooms this week because oh. if you sell me a thousand corporate rooms, my my business occupancy is where it needs to be. This is just not going to happen. So so I have to. And actually, when COVID kicked in, I was and, and it's unfortunate because I was at the time obviously heavily involved in the, in the technology side of the industry, and so I kind of already could see this coming. Um, because we were looking at what was happening in the Chinese market. And so when I was in, when I came into Platinum in January, the first thing I advised the board is that we should probably look at, um, at pairing back staff in mid-February. And everyone was, oh, you know, you're fear-mongering. It's never going to be that. Uh, don't worry about it. And I still pushed forward with that, with that kind of decision, mm. which was particularly well-received until early May when everything went horribly wrong. And we were watching our competitors closing hotels and we were still in profit. Yeah. And we still, to this day, remain the top ADR, the top occupancy, the top, we are, you know, at 30% occupancy, occupancy in a business where everybody else is at 10. And that's right. because we, we had metrics in place from the very get-go before this even really got bad, before any travel bans came in, where we were preparing the properties to be as operationally efficient as possible operate on the minimum number of staff they could operate on and maximize the revenue that we could get. So actually we with you know in 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 a world that's exploding we're kind of just avoiding the debris. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs, helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Koan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours. So I've got to say one of my favorite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in, in series two, I think it was episode three of this podcast, we actually... <laughs> spent about half an hour, 40 minutes talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah. You know, even just things like adding a, a gift to, to your reflections adds some real personality. And I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it allows that fun throughout the organization. And that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team, definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, Koan, that's K-O-A-N.co forward slash giants where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. No, it's, it's really interesting and you know you, you had those forecasts in place. So you, you mentioned earlier that you you described setting your metrics as a science rather than an art. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? So I, so, so I think there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of ways of interpreting OKRs. A lot of people kind of go, "Oh, it's art. It's an art form." You know, you need to, and, and I don't believe it is. I think it's a data science. I think achieving them is an art form, but setting them is a science. Right. So I look at the end goal, and I will work backwards. Yeah. So I want to do ten million dollars in revenue. How do I achieve that? What is each one of my sales worth? How many of my sales can my people do? 
what is considered strong performance, weak performance, middle of the road performance. I'll take all of those metrics and work back until I get the OKRs that I need to put in place. And I look at those OKRs and then I set my KPIs alongside it mm. to say, okay, so this is the company's goals. This is where we, this is where we need to go. This is the metrics that will get us there. And now you as a person, these are your KPIs, which we'll call them KPIs, call them OKRs, whatever you want to call them. Sure. But this is what you need to do. Because I know that if you do 55 phone calls a day and you sell 10 contracts a month, that those 10 contracts a month equal this amount of revenue per year, which multiplied by 50 of you turns into this. Mm. So if there's no figure, then do the same for operational. Okay, so I now need you to be achieving this level of spend in order to achieve this level of spend, this is what you need to do. And assuming that those two things marry up and you police them appropriately, then actually that is the first two of the five that you've achieved and the other three will follow. Right. Because if your profit is where your profit needs to be, your operating revenue is where your operating revenue needs to be, pretty much everything else is easy to fit around it. So do your teams get any say in what their OKRs are? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I'm not a dictator, um, so I, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not Nazi Germany. So we um, we go in and I kind of whenever I'm and again we've just replaced the entire um, software platform inside Platinum. Um, and when I was kind of and, and I don't know if you guys if you, if you know anything about ERPs, but they are monstrous things. And when when you operate hourly workers as well as salaried workers, these systems that are in place just control everything. And if you don't have them, the business grinds to a halt very quickly. Uh, And we had a very, very expensive, very high-tech system that was wonderful but completely inoperable because it was so high-tech and so difficult. And one of the things that when we started tracking, when I started tracking people's time, and I said to my CAO, my God, you spend like half your life in workday. Like, how, how do you get anything done? You spend like mm. six hours a day in workday just processing stuff. I thought mm. this system like amazing and it was going to do all this stuff and I'd not worked with workday before. And she said, well, I do. But the problem is it takes so much time to configure everything to get it to do the stuff you need to do that 90% of the time it's just easier to do it by, by hacking it through yeah. or... I have to bring somebody else in. And so when I was analyzing the revenue business, I mean, wow, we're just hemorrhaging money on this system. Mm. Um, and then we went out to market and I kind of said to the, the, the C-suite that we're going to be involved in the decision, okay, so, so yes, this is, this is the new company's platform, but each one of you is responsible for these key areas. So you assess the softwares. You tell me what is easiest to work with. This is the, this is, these are your choices. We have 10 companies here that all are integrated together that we can recreate this at a fifth of the cost in a fifth of the time. It's all automated or IO driven, so nobody really needs to do anything. And once it's set up, this thing is kind of like the Tesla of of software. It's just going to drive itself. And then we should get, hopefully, 40 or 50, you know, man hours a day back across the business from people not having to work with this really complex system. Yeah, it makes Um, a huge difference. And everybody went off. And I gave everybody a list of metrics and said, this is the stuff that it needs to do. This is the revenue that we need to, or this is the operational expense. And this is how much revenue we need to do every time you go over that. Make the right decisions. And I'll come in, I'll, I'll do the demos with you. You know, we're in this together. But yeah. fundamentally, you've all decided which bit of this works the best for you. 
I'll find a way to smash it all together. Right. And I was very lucky in the fact that we came across a software provider who had great connections to pretty much everything we needed. They kind of recommended the best in class solution that would be the easiest to implement. We went off, we tried it, and 90% of it was exactly what everyone was looking for. Well, we ended up with huge operate, I mean, massive operational efficiencies, huge. Um, and we ended up doing it at fifth the cost. Win win. Yeah, absolutely. And now everybody's really excited because this new higher tech platform is coming in that is so automated. They already see. I mean, I was talking to one of my HR team and I was looking at her toggle and I was just saying, does it genuinely take you eight days a month to do the payroll for this company? And she was just like, yeah, because it's so manual because the system just doesn't do half this stuff. So wow. Carly's going, I'm going to get five, six days of my life back a month mm. or I'm not processing pay- like payroll. Yeah. Because That's- the system does that stuff. So I think sometimes when you are setting the OKRs and when you're, and when you're setting your KPIs, you have to look deeper. Because actually, if you haven't set your team up with success, if you haven't done everything you can do to make them as operationally efficient as they can be, you cannot hold them to a list of unachievable goals and metrics when you can't make people work harder to make up for your operational efficiencies. No, and that's when um, the the motivational aspect of stretch targets gets completely flipped on its head, right? And they suddenly become very demotivational. Yeah. So, so I've always worked with stretch goals. Yeah. And the base of, if we, if we do this, we are all rock stars. Mm-hmm. If we do this, we're good. If yeah. we do this, we're in trouble. Right. I'll let you decide where you need to be. There will be things in your life and external forces that means that you may not do that this year, but this is the acceptable level. Yeah. As long as you're above the acceptable level, yeah, I'd love everybody to aim for greatness, and I, and I would like to think that I lead my team, and I, you know, I'm I'm very much a forward front guy, so I work long hours. You know, I'm always present. If somebody needs me in a meeting, I really don't care. I'm the COO. If it's a junior level meeting, I'll go, and if I need to sit in the corner and suck my thumb, that's what I need to do. You know, yeah. if they need the support of having a senior director in the in, in the business in in the meeting. As long as it's not a complete waste of time and I can do other things while I'm doing it, then absolutely I'll attend. Yeah, um, sure. You know, you have to manage your own metrics and you have to set people up for success. And the only way you can do that is by being aware of what's causing the problems. Mm. You know, I, I look at these guys and say, you know, I've set all these metrics and they're dismally failing. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not failing. You are. Right. You lead the team. So mm. if you set the metrics that they can't achieve, how would you set the metrics? Yeah. You, you, me that a company of 500 people are all full of lazy people that set their entire life on Twitter. Like, of course, that's not the case. Mm. You've obviously what you what you've tried to do is set an unachievable growth target and not put any of the background behind it or any of the monitoring or any of the metrics in place that says that's even remotely achievable with the team you have. Yeah, you can't ask people to work 20 hours a day just because you want to be more successful and not spend more money. Like that, that's not realistic. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah, completely agree. And I think that's a, a good key point for our listeners actually to take on board, that they really need to bear that in mind when, when setting OKRs, that you can't just set stretch targets and tell people yeah. to bugger off and hit them, basically, um, yeah. if, if, if you've not done the foundation work, just like building a house, right? 
Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, in my, in my spare time, I'm a, I'm a powerlifter, I'm a bodybuilder. Right. And, and that whole metric, like that whole world is about stretch goals. Mm. So it's, it is always about lifting as much as you can lift without injuring yourself, but having a much bigger goal at the end of it to get to, whether that's a weight category, whether that's a, a body weight category, whether that's a lift category. Yeah. You know, and I kind of apply that to business. You know, everything with all stretch goals, you know, it is ideally what you want to achieve. But unless you have the foundation, unless you put the work in to make everybody be able to achieve those stretch goals, they're not stretch goals, they're dreams. Yeah. And dreams, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, we know are only only come true if you're very, very lucky. Yeah. And I, I, I say this constantly. People are always saying to me, Oh, you know, you're, you're so successful, you're so lucky, you're so successful. And they say, Yeah, you know, you know what's even funnier? Is my luck directly transpires to the amount of work I do and the amount of metrics I police my luck on. Yeah. You know, more metrics, the luckier I become. What do you know? Mm. Um, you know, and I think sometimes people look at people that have put stretch goals in place and they it's it's much easier to say, Oh yeah, it's just luck. But it's not luck. It, it, it's, it, it is, it's years of planning, working at what metrics are, understanding how to help people hit them, understanding how to motivate people to want to hit a stretch goal, and also being, you know, putting your big boy pants on and saying, okay, we're not going to hit these stretch goals this year, but we're still in the acceptable. We're still in yeah. the good. So let's not burn the building to the ground and accuse everybody of being lazy, shit, yeah. you don't do it. Yeah. And understand that they tried but stuff was out of their control this year. Yeah, especially this year. <laughs> especially this year. I mean, the world has gone mad. I mean, some, somebody said to me earlier early on in the week, actually late last week, yeah, well, you know, all your metrics must have gone out the window now. And I said, well, no, the original metrics did, but the new metrics that I put in place in February haven't because yeah. we're planned on this. And actually, if I look at the key metrics and the key OKRs that I set when I knew the industry was going to be at 10% and I wanted to be at 15%. Because we did that, as and and again, it's a lot down to the team. It's not just me. It's the team that have managed to achieve this. We're we're well over the stretch goal. You know, the stretch goal was 15% when the industry was at 5%, 10%, and we're at 30%. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that. Thanks very much. You know, I'm one of the few people that can say, hey, after I've paid my stuff, I've got money left. Mm. it's not much <laughs> but, but it's money left and you know and i'm not hemorrhaging cash and i'm not running up debts which is what a lot of the industry are doing and i know that, that where i am now i can ride this out for another six months without even breaking a sweat and yeah. that's because the team knew what was expected they knew what we needed to do i mean we have a daily monitoring so, so you know when we when we drill down onto what real OKRs are if you if you really want to work on the science side of it and I mean I'm down on a piece of spreadsheet now I mean this is how basic my life has become since COVID um, but I have an Excel spreadsheet and every single morning at 8.30 in the morning my team send me through our occupancy per hotel our revenue for the day before our staffing for the day before that all goes into a spreadsheet and we analyze where we are as a business every single yeah. day and then I compare that to last week's metrics and the, and the previous month's metrics. And yesterday, we kind of had a little bit of a mini celebration because we were like, you know what? In the worst time this industry's ever seen, we have an 80% uplift on last month's figures already. Yeah. And, and so now we're starting to police new metrics. Going, okay, so actually, 
if we've got an 80% uplift, that's not everything we're doing. That, that is that is something is happening. The industry is changing. We're seeing travel starting to come back for whatever whatever it might be. How do we best harness that? Mm. So, so we have a new set of, of metrics running to police as things are changing because we can't account for it. We have no idea what 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 is doing it. Mm. Do you do you assign any accountability and ownership over the key results and KPIs that you're monitoring? Absolutely. So every single one of my heads of department have their own. So and, and they they look after theirs. And if somebody comes to me, um, often or not, it's the sales and marketing team or in any organisation will come to you and want lower KPIs, lower KPIs. <laughs> um, and so I will always work with those leaders to say, okay. Why do you need that? Yeah. If you're telling me I've said it wrong, absolutely, I am but a human. I'm, I'm flesh and blood, and I yeah. get it wrong sometimes. You tell me why you think I'm wrong. Yeah. And 99.9% of the time, as we go through these things, they will start to go, actually, we could probably more. And I'm like, yeah, we, we could. Because you're looking at the, uh, you're not looking at the stretch goal. You're looking at the, at the okay performance goal. Which yeah. is the bit I gave you. My stretch goal is what I'm working on with you all to make sure we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you give people ownership of that, and you actually, a lot of the time, I'll, I'll let my heads of department now start setting their own. Right. So, so my terms, I don't set my my OKRs inside properties anymore. You know, I have I have the Hilton and the Marriott and the IHG um, operating practices. So we have those metrics that they have to be above at all times. But now, where we are currently, I'm saying, look, you're, you're, you're all adults. Like, none of you are drawing on, on, on walls and crayon. I mean, look at the revenue that's coming into your property. And if you mm. think you, you have the metric to be able to do something different, do something different. Yeah. You know, at this moment in time, we need you to manage your revenue and your, and your operational expenditure to be the most successful you can possibly be because it's the difference between keeping the hotel open and closing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, because you empower people, they they then they will rise to the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that empowerment piece is very important, I think. Yeah, you, you can't you can't I mean, I don't run my teams like some sort of mad dictator. Mm-hmm. I, I run a group of adults that are very successful at what they do and they just need me to guide them, mm-hmm. monitor them and make sure that ultimately I am captaining the ship to where it needs to be. And I follow another higher in, you know, I follow the family office and I follow what, what the CEO of the business, Mitch, tells me is where he wants the business to go. And, yeah. and that's my role in the business. Mitch says, I want to do this. Can we make that happen? And I'll look at that and go, we can't make that happen. That, that's a lovely dream, but we can't make that happen with what we've got now. Mm. But we can make this happen. Mm. And so we'll decide on what is an acceptable achievement. And once that's in place, and that's a monthly, six-monthly, yearly thing, and we're three months in, blowing it out the water, and again, you know, in the middle of COVID. So, you know, it, it's you feed that back to your team and say, you know what, you're doing good. You're doing a good job. Just keep yeah. doing what you're doing. And that level of empowerment and ownership means that they strive to achieve more. Yeah, this has been really interesting, Rich. Um, it just goes to show what the power of metrics is, and, and you're clearly highly highly metric driven and and i always have been as well so it's it's good to speak to somebody of of common ilk um what would be great for the listeners is just sort of if you had one piece of advice that you could give to 
company or new business owner thinking about getting going with OKRs and what that piece of advice would be? Um, I would say there's two really. There is work backwards. So, so mm. look at what you want to achieve. So many people put metrics in place on what they on where they want to go that they don't work backwards and go, okay, so if I was here, how did how did that how did whatever goal that was, whether it's revenue, whether it's operational effectiveness, what do I do to make that happen? Yeah. What does everybody need to? Don't look at your business as one OKR. Look at it, look at everybody in it as an OKR. And then I would say, remember that people are human. So actually, if you want to, in, if you want to install a load of metrics and, and OKRs, you can do that where you look like a dictator that is issuing demands of people and micromanaging people. Or you can work with your team. You can say, look, this is what we're going to do. I need each one of you to have ownership of this. Yeah. I need you to work with me on this. And I need you to police this. And actually, together, we will achieve something amazing. If you empower and motivate, people will adopt this all day long. If you put a load of time tracking in place and project management in place and don't tell them why you're doing it, they will assume you don't trust them and you'll end up in a horrible business environment. Yeah, spot on. Completely agree. Um, Rich, thank you so much. It's it's been fascinating. I'm sure the listeners will have taken a lot from it. Really appreciate you joining us. Amazing. Thanks. Thanks very much, Lawrence. Um, so everybody thank you for listening as usual um, hope you've taken some enjoyment from it if, if you have enjoyed the podcast and you enjoyed the podcast so far please make sure you go on to whatever platform you listen on and, and give us a five star review um, it makes a huge difference to us especially because the reviews are in my OKRs for this quarter actually so um, there's a little bit of incentive for you to go on and do it for me um, but until next week stay, stay well stay safe and um, tune in again next week Cheers, everyone. Bye.